Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello and welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series brought to you by Think Red Ink Ministries in Pytown, New Mexico. Those of you who've been watching the show, uh, there's folks out there that are enjoying this, and you want to see it every day, but I still haven't heard from you. If you walk over to your computer and write me an email, I sure would like it. You don't have to say anything other than, hey, I'm watching you on TV. <laughs> That's all. Um, if you like it or if you don't, I- I'd love to hear from you either way. I'm, I'm certainly not afraid of detractors. I'm certainly not afraid of of you know hearing that some people you know have questions and i know sometimes uh when things go against well our traditional denominational understanding people handle that different ways some people just run like scared rabbits um because you know they've been pretty well pounded by their pastor beware of false prophets you know and so they're scared to death i understand that and some people uh, just kind of bow up like a junkyard dog and want to fight with you. Um, and I understand that. I hate to say I understand that. I wish I could say that uh, I'm not guilty of that. But there was a time when I, yeah, wanted to fight my way through. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. Um, but then there are some people who are just, they're just hurt. And they're a little bit scared. And they're thinking, if things aren't the way I always thought they were, um, you know, perhaps I'm not saved. Uh, Perhaps I'm really not a Christian. And, well, I'm afraid that a lot of times those thoughts come to us because of what our preachers say over the pulpit. You need to be sure. Look, friend, you're sure. Are you trying to tell me (laughs) that the, the creator of the universe has has leaned off of his throne of the universe and touched you and changed you on the inside and made you uh, a child of God and given you the power to become a son of God and is is actively involved in in changing your life and regenerating your spirit and you don't know it it's one of the silliest arguments I've, I hear is that people say, you know, you need to be sure. Well, how do I be sure, preacher? Well, you know, have you, have you been baptized? Are you, are you a member of the church? Do you believe the Trinity? Do you believe the, the doctrines of the church? Do you sing hymns and not rock music? Do you wear your dresses a certain length? Do you do, you do this? Do you do? I mean, what are you going to do? Just come up with a big, long list of things that we check ourselves by. Um, I got a letter from someone recently that said uh, he was worried uh, about his salvation because he didn't love his neighbor like he should. And, you know, I wrote him back and said, you should be worried because, you know, all the the silly list I just gave you, you're not going to find that in the Scripture. Well, you won't. Try as you might, none of those things I listed there are, are, are scriptural principles that Christians are supposed to obey or believe. But there is something in there that says, we know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. And this fellow is saying, I'm a little concerned about myself. And I said, well, you should be. You should be. 
Because uh, if that evidence isn't in your life, I don't care what else is in your life. I'll pay my tithes every month. Well, good for you. But <laughs> you, don't, you don't love your neighbor? You know, how do you do that? How, uh, how do you pay tithes to first whatever church and then go to the, you know, the, the demonstration downtown to, you know, to run all the Muslims off or to, or whatever. I don't know whatever. Who are the people you hate anyway? Um, you need to take a look at them and, uh, and wonder why do you do that? Um, now, I guess, I guess, uh, well, I, I don't want to discourage you right off here. I really want to encourage you because I know that there is that element of people out there that hear something a little different and they're thinking, maybe I don't understand everything. Hey, you don't. <laughs> uh, maybe, I, maybe I don't know as much as I thought I did. You don't. Look, we're, we're all trying to, to find our way. Our God has decided to run this earth by, by a remote location. He doesn't live on this earth anymore. I, you can take umbrage with that comment if you want to. But the truth is, is God's on his throne. And he rules from heaven. And the earth is his footstool. You know, this, this is where he's located. Now, Jesus, uh, his, the good news that he gave us was, is if you'll keep my commandments, keep my commandments, if you'll keep my commandments, then I'll move into you. We'll both take up our abode in you. By the Spirit of God they do this. And, and they become a part of our life. Nowhere does the Scripture say you have to know everything. Do you know the Scriptures don't even say that you have to know all truth? What it does say, what, what exactly does it tell us? What does it say that we need to do in order to be safe from the strong delusion that is coming on the earth that's going to uh, cause people to believe a lie and be damned. What protection do you have against that? Do you have any protection? I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that you need to read your Bible more, you need to go to seminars, you need to buy books on prophecy, you need to go to the denominations that teach prophecy all the time. So you, somebody wrote to me the other day and said, you know, if you can get a hold of this concept that I'm, you know, he sent me this paper, you know. If you can get a hold of this concept, you'll be able to identify the Antichrist. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Why would I do that? Um, I got a feeling that when he shows up, his, in, his intention is not to hide. <laughs> his intention is to let people know exactly who he is. And I don't want you to take from this that I happen to believe that, uh, that the Antichrist is a person, not necessarily a spirit, or a spirit, not necessarily a person. Uh, I've never really come to grips with all that anyway. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, make sense of it, but you know what I want to do? I want to love my neighbor. I want to do the right thing for the right reason every time. I want to please God. I want him to look at me and say, well done. Not well believed, but well done. Not well educated, but well done. Uh, the the uh, testimony that we have about some of the disciples that got around folks that 
w that recognized intelligence and recognized education when they saw it was that uh, their evaluation of the disciples were that they were ignorant and unlearned men. But they knew they'd been with Jesus. Can, can you get better than that? Can somebody say something about you better than that? No, we want them to say that we're, you know, we're highly educated. And even today, I noticed that even from, from the time I was a child until an adult, it has changed in the parlance of Christians when they talk about a man. I can remember my mom pointing out or my dad pointing out or somebody uh, pointing out a certain person and saying, that's a very spiritual man. Well, <laughs> uh, over the years, as I've gotten older, uh, I found out that uh, that means well-educated now. That means that he has an ability, an educated ability to think in spiritual terms. And I'm thinking, wow, man, things are changing. Look, you don't need education, friend. You need revelation. And when we have revelation, what you have on the other end of that revelation is an almighty God who loves you and cares for you, and he will give you what you can do. He's like a perfect teacher. Um, it's not a teacher that has intention on making sure all 40 students are all on the same level, you know, and, and pulling the, the advanced students back a little and boosting the, <laughs> the, the, the slower ones and trying to get everybody on the same level. He couldn't care less about what level you're on. Uh, or what level the class or the whole is. He cares about what level you are on. And no, he hasn't explained eschatology to you. You don't know the word eschatology? <laughs> uh, it's okay. It's all right. It's just a part of uh, hermeneutics and exegesis. <laughs> you see, there are people who love to use those kind of words to impress you. But... Uh, Look, the truth is that the Lord may want to teach you the right way to speak to your son. He might want to teach you the right way to handle your daughter's situation. He might want to teach you how to get along with your wife or how to get along with your husband. Now, those things we can use, that's where our Lord lives and that is how we live with each other. It's the most important thing there is to him. I, nowhere do you find him you know, pushing the idea of uh, that we need to learn. Uh, I, I know the, the Apostle Paul talks about to, to get a hold of and, and learn sound doctrine. I understand that. And sound doctrine is good for us. But do you know, if, if, if you look at the, at the characteristics of God, and his character way back in the Old Testament and, and uh, when he would speak to his people, uh, what was he concerned about? You guys are cheating each other. You're taking each other's wives. You're not doing the right thing. People go to court and, and, the, and the, the judge is bought off before they get there. You're perverting justice. What was his concern? Well, he sounds more like a Berkeley graduate than he does a preacher. Social justice. But I'm going to tell you something. There's something to that. We're supposed to live with one another like we love each other. And if you don't love each other, 
Perhaps you need to look into the only power that I know of, the only religion I know of, the only philosophy I've ever heard of that if you'll follow this, I'll change you on the inside and you'll love your brother. I love that idea. Can I get off the subject? Can I get all away from our book for just a moment? I want to share with you something that the Lord revealed to me uh, several years ago now. But um, because uh, I became intrigued with the Hebrew roots of Christianity because, you know, uh, acknowledging the fact that, that Jesus is indeed Jewish and that he grew up in that culture, it became very important to me to find out what that was all about. Well, if you try to do that, uh, you're going to find yourself striking hands or becoming friends with, or at least uh, cohorts of, uh, a really oddball fringe group out there that uh, essentially believe that the Old Testament um, has, there's nothing ever changed, nothing changed. Some even familiar, uh, even uh, fond of saying uh, there's nothing new in the New Testament. Um, that, you know, everything, that, that that's the only reason Jesus came to the earth was to reestablish the, the old covenant, you know, and so they live by what uh, they consider to be the law of God, which includes um, uh, more or less 613 laws. Uh, they're very careful about not making sure there's no linen and cotton mixture in their clothing and that they, they eat a certain way, and they live a certain way, and they do certain things at certain times, you know, uh, you know and it's, it, all, all the rules and such are very important to them. Well, when I found myself uh, frequenting some of these kinds of uh, people and, and listening to their, their teaching and their philosophy and these kind of things, um, they placed a great value on, uh, on the Ten Commandments, which they very well should, the Ten Commandments have not passed away and will not pass away until all things be fulfilled. I don't know what all things are, but uh, that's what will happen before the uh, law goes away. Jesus was speaking of the Ten Commandments that he wrote in stone with his own finger. Not 613 laws, not the Mishnah, not the Talmud, not the opinions of rabbis and, and Sanhedrins over the years, but... Um, but actually the Ten Commandments of our God. Well, as I, as I read those kinds of things and was uh, hanging around the kind of people who are essentially the, of the legalistic sort, I get accused of being legalistic. Um, I, I, don't, I don't take any shame in that. I found out that, you know, secretly legalistic means obeying God. Uh, but... Um, there is such a thing as, uh, you know, wasteful legalism. And, um, and when I found myself involved in that, um, I, I started to reevaluate, you know, just exactly what, you know, these Ten Commandments really are and, and what place should they occupy in my life. And, um, and the Lord was very, very good to me and that gave me a revelation about the commandments that, Essentially, I don't know that I ever could have come up with um, on my own, um, which, uh, you know, is really the way we're supposed to be living, right? Um, but um, if you don't mind, 
um, let me say this in a in a in a modern and familiar vernacular so that you can understand this. I am not and I get so tired of having to qualify this because if I say the Lord said this to me and then I said this to him and then he said this to me, people, they run off with that thinking, oh, wow, he has conversations with God. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm trying to get across to you. I'm just saying that, you know, most of the conversations, if you want to call them, that, that we have with our Lord are inner, inner knowing uh, when he speaks to us, he speaks in, in our native tongue, the tongue we were born with in the Garden of Eden. Our D, it's in our DNA. Adam gave it to us. And he speaks in that language, and they are wordless words that are within the heart of mankind. You'll understand what I mean if you'll take time every day to hear the voice of God um, because uh, he's wanting very much to speak with us. So I'm dealing with these uh, commandments and wondering about the legalism of the whole thing, and um, and I was uh, I'm always fascinated with the atheist point of view, because I find that uh, uh, atheist eighty uh, percent of their complaint with Christianity in general or religion in general has to do with their complaints with the silly ideas that the church have brought about. God had nothing to do with it. And so they end up hating him because of a bunch of silly preachers that just want to say what other preachers say um, or, you know, getting their sermons from each other. But um, the, there was an, uh, an atheist um, piece. I don't know if it was something I read or something I watched. But uh, he was talking about how hateful these commandments are. Thou shalt not do this and... You won't do this, and you won't do that, and you won't do... And uh, he was going on about, uh, you know, this doesn't sound like a God of love to me, and which is kind of disgusting in itself. Most of these people never experienced love. Uh, if they experienced the love that my father used to give me, uh, they would understand. <laughs> um, but um, I remember going to the Lord about this and saying, you know, I need clarity here on exactly... How do these commandments fit into a Christian's life? I understand how they fit in a Jew's life. I get that. I get that. Uh, you know, here's the rule, obey it. Just do what you're told. And, uh, you know, no fuss, no muss, just do as you're told. Uh, but how do they fit in a Christian's life? How is it that I can, how is it the, the Apostle Paul says that if you live by the Spirit of God, then you're no longer under the law? I got... I got really fascinated with the idea of being under the law. Not something that uh, guides me day to day. Not something that sits beside me or walks beside me or, or is a, a, a guideline for my life. But um, under the law. As if the law was oppressing them or pressing them down. And I thought, that's what I'm trying to avoid. So how do I walk in the Spirit and yet keep the law within, within my heart? And, and where do the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament come? Have I created in you now any kind of questions here? Have I created something in you that you know, makes you want to say, yeah, what is that? Because <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do here. You need to know how, with what hunger I approach the Lord about this. Because uh, this, was, uh, this was very heavy on me. 
And um, the, and I, I wanted I wanted clarity on this. The Lord uh, said to me, "You understand." <laughs> the Lord said to me, "Here's the way I want you to read the commandments, not as a list of rules, but as a list of prophecies." Well, as is his way, he leaves you for two or three days. <laughs> and lets you chew on that for a while. I was totally confused. <laughs> I thought, oh yeah, that really helps. <laughs> I I must have misunderstood. I'm I must have I missed this. Prophecies? What how what in the world does this mean? But boy, oh boy, there was a day when he opened that up to me and I have never struggled with this again. You know when the Bible says, Thou shalt do no murder. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. I saw them for the first time as just adding a preface to these commandments like so. To as many as received him, to them gave he power to not commit adultery. To them gave he power to not steal from his, from his neighbor. To them gave he power to become the sons of God. <laughs> he says, when you look at this, I want you to see these things as prophecy. When you are the way you're supposed to be, you're thinking the way you're supposed to think, your doctrines and your ideas, your philosophy, theosophies, theology is all where it needs to be and 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 you're living in a purity and in a sanctity like you're supposed to you will not kill you will not steal you won't covet you won't lie you're going to honor your father and mother when you're living like you're supposed to live and the regenerating power of God is at work in your soul. You're not going to take the Lord's name in vain. You're not going to worship idols. When you are becoming who you need to be, and we need to remember that the Bible, when it uses the word saved, is actually saying being saved. So if you don't mind, I'd rather say, as we are being saved, these commandments become prophecies about us. That we're not going to be those nasty people anymore. As we're regenerated day by day, all of a sudden, we don't lie. We don't steal. We don't do our neighbor wrong. We honor the Lord. We keep the Sabbath. We do everything that he wants done. It's just a part of us. And the law changed in my mind from a list of rules and things that were going to condemn me and throw me out of the kingdom of God, things that were going to ascribe my soul to, to destruction in Gehenna turned into prophecies about this is the end that I expect for you. This is my expected end for you. This is where I see you going. And I thought, wow, the commandments aren't things to run from, they're things to run toward. 
wow, this is, this is not something to be avoided. These are goals. Here's, you know, many different reasons I share this with you. One is, is that we kind of got off the subject. But, you know, that aside, I'm trying to encourage you. Because I know if you've been watching the show, as we started out saying, you've heard some things you've never heard before. And you sit and wonder and wonder if, if that's right or if this is wrong or if what I've always believed was wrong. And, and you can get a little discouraged. Here's what I'm saying. The law used to discourage me that way too. And I used to think, this is, this is awful. <laughs> this doesn't do anything but condemn me. Every time I turn around, I find myself in violation of these things. Um, and then when you know people take the law and turn it into the spiritual aspect of, uh, of, I mean, for example, stealing from someone and, uh, and, and then extending that into, uh, you know, if you, if you uh, download software and don't click that I agree or something, that that's the same thing as stealing. And I'm, look, I'm not for pirating software, but I'm saying that when you put these things in the nth degree, the law just starts to condemn you everywhere you look. Well, here's what I found. The law doesn't have to condemn you. It, it can be your goal by which you should and can and should live. However, there is one thing that is going to make that change in your life. One thing is going to pull you out of that fog you're in now wondering, have I done the right thing? Am I really a Christian? Am I really the way I ought to be? Um, you know, do I really understand? You know, do I need to really get saved? That's, that's the word that most Protestant preachers stick on there to make people doubt their salvation. Um, but uh, those kind of times when you're in that, in that funk, there's only one thing that is going to pull you out of that, and that's revelation from God. And I gave you this wonderful little you know, this little candy sucker that he stuck in my mouth and said, you know, don't sweat these commandments. They're your friends, not your enemies. Um, and I give you that example to let you know that those kind of revelation, those kind of wonderful, beautiful things, they're available for you. You're going to, pre you're going to have to pursue them. You're going to have to keep his commandments in order for him to come inside you and lead you by the Spirit of God. But, and I'm not saying all this stuff is so easy. I am saying that it's available to you. All you have to do is receive Christ as King, that He is indeed Lord. To as many as received Him, to them gave He the power to become a child of God. What could be better than this? Oh, time's gone. Time for us to go. Join us next time to hear more of the words of Jesus. Hey, we want to hear from you. Let us know you're listening. Send an email to Don at thinkredinc.com or you can write to Think Red Inc. Ministries at P.O. Box 718, Pytown, New Mexico, 87827. All right, bye-bye for now. See you next time.
You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.